変身You're listening to Two Carbon Ride with me, and we are here with our intro episode to Carbon Ride of Ryuki. And with me is Jay. Hello, Jay. Hello. Nice to meet y'all. And um, you are from the Rangers Plane podcast. Uh, yes, I am. I'm uh, one of the uh, people behind uh, Rangers Plane. I know you've had uh, my co-host Ashley earlier on uh, doing, uh, I think, season three of Power Rangers. So here's me and kind of my my own very... And uh, other interests other than Power Rangers, which is Common Rider. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it's uh, just um, your show is much more um, long form, like you e- e- take much more deep dives at like shows than we do. But um, it's a great show to like uh, check out. And yeah, um, there's a lot different, but a lot the same when you look at like Power Rangers and the Common Rider, honestly. <laughs> but it's fun. Yeah, it's very fun. Um, yeah, and uh, I, I'm very happy to talk about Ryuki. I call myself uh, a Ryuki propagandist at times. I very much was when I was really into writer fandom. So I'm like, yeah, I get to talk about this. Yeah. Um. And so, um, what th- this episode is is like it's meant to be like accessible for newcomers to the series and franchise, but also like fun for like existing fans. So we looked. Th- um, we looked at um episodes one, two, eleven, twelve. 13, 14, 18, and 19 of Ryuki, and we'll get into those in, like, deep spoiler depths after the break, but before that, um, I would like to, uh, know a little bit more about you, Jay. So, um, how'd you get into the Toku fandom? Um, well, um, God, I was a kid, and it's a kind of typical for some people, is I was a kid and I watched Power Rangers, and then when I was a teenager, I ended up finding out about Super Sentai. Uh, bef- uh, this was a little bit before um, Super Sentai was like, oh, hey, did you know that, mm-hmm. you know, the L Ranger was a man in Japan, like, over there? It was just kind of, oh, hey, the internet's here, and I can find this out. And yep. I really didn't get into other Toku Watch until college, because it was starting to get more widely available over here. And then around kind of Post-college, I got into Kamen Rider Gaim. Okay. And I ended up just kind of going through the series. And during that, I was like, hey, I'm actually liking Kamen Rider a little bit more than, like, random episodes of Super Sentai. And asked um, on an anon message board, essentially. Um, that wasn't 4chan, but it wasn't a non-message board. Like, what are good recommendations, I like this, and somebody mentioned Double, and ended up watching Double, and then I think I just picked Ryuki randomly, and ended up really loving it, and I've watched everything before Decade, and I'm trying to catch up on everything Heisei right now, with that. Yeah, um, so, that's kind of similar to what I did, I found clips on YouTube of, like, Blade and Kabuto, and it was, like, while Kabuto was airing, so I'm kind of, like, in old head a little bit and uh yeah i guess just so uh, like since then but yeah um 
so Gabe and Ryuki, those are some fun series to start with as far as like the discourse, the conversation around them. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, uh just um I like hate to use this comparison, but for some people like it might um make sense. Like I feel like the fandom kind of treats both game and Ryuki the same way that like a lot of like anime fandoms um treats shows like Evangelion like as like these um weird points where like the franchise like matured or had like a turning point or like went dark or interesting. Yeah. And uh I'm not sure if I agree with that, but that depends on what you feel about Eva. <laughs> but uh, for me well, yeah. I, I feel like um well, Urobuchi was, I feel like with Gaim that Urobuchi was trying to, like, bring back a lot of old Heisei, and yeah. we could talk about Ryuki being dark all we want, but a lot of old Heisei really took a lot of risk. Like, mm-hmm. Kuga's known for its high body count, and, y- y- like, everything up to Hibiki had a lot of people just dying outright, Yeah, and uh, it, was, it was about when Hibiki, uh, midway through Hibiki, I think, like, parents were like, hey, this is for children, can you, can you stop being so violent? No, um, those early Heisei shows, I love them so much. They're all so, like, moody and weird and different. Like, there's tons of scenes, like, in just what we've watched of, like, um, montages of the city lights as, like, Ren's, like, driving and, like, it's, like, yeah, all going through. And, like, I, like, um, had to check, like, was motion smoothing on for, like, I forgot how, like, soap opera that, like, and, like, weird and, like, framey, like, the show can look as well. So I was just, like, it's so great because, like, as much as I like later Heisei shows and, like, um, mm. so far in, like, Reiwa, it is definitely, like, there was a time where it was, like, much more, like, Wild West and there was just, like, when the writers changed, everything changed in a major way. Yeah. Um, I, I felt like, you know, it because uh, Kuka was more or less the last hurrah. Um, uh, oh, it was supposed to be the last hurrah, and I think they just kind of found something and, and just the, continued the legacy through that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, it's just like, Ryu- people kind of say Ryuki's so dark, and I'm like, Ryuki's just kind of bittersweetly sad, and I, I kind of call, I, I kind of stole this, I think, from a Let's Play series, I forget what it is, but they call David Cage's things like tri- trilogy of sadness, and that's what I feel like yeah. Ryuki Fives and uh, and Blade R are kind of like the Heisei trilogy of sadness. That's true. Uh, I do really love. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to go into like massive spoilers, but that's definitely truth. Even like looking at the states of the main characters at the end of those shows too. Yeah, I mean, I'll go ahead with like form that arc, but. No, uh, just, I think that, um, some people, like, get mad at Toku that, like, isn't sad or, like, quote-unquote mature, but I still, like, love, and, like, the Modern Rider shows can get pretty dark, and, like, I don't always need that, though. Sometimes it just needs to be, like, like, good characters having good punches sometimes, and, like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) like, it doesn't have to be dark for me or mature. Uh, yeah, I feel like that sometimes, too. Um, I, I'm one of those weird people when the time I watched O's, I actually found it very uplifting because it it's bittersweet, but it's overall stories about accepting help from people and being a part of your community. And I was feeling lost at the moment, so it actually was very uplifting and helpful. Uh, Forza is one of my favorites, and that's yeah. that's verily that, that verily ever goes dark. 
Yeah, and like it's kind of hard as a show to recommend to people because of like the way like there could be in the fandom the like need to like overcompensate like with maturity, but it's like a great show. Uh, and, and like I like love that whole cast and like when they come back, it's great. Yeah. Uh, for, uh, yeah. I, I was going to say, like, one of my favorite old Heisei's, actually, other than Ryuki, because sometimes I just love sadness, is uh, actually Hibiki, because Hibiki is just all about found family at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, I just really love um, that at the end of the day, though, like, the writer franchise is like, what if you had, like, some inherent evil and you cried in a river while punching, like, your quote-unquote yeah. best friend or, like, boyfriend or whatever? You know, <laughs> like like every show, ha- like for a while, it felt like okay, we're at this one river crying and punching each other because we care, whatever that yeah. means. <laughs> and yeah, um, but so something important that I kind of wanted to um bring one benefit of um bringing people on that um like to see people punch each other and like cry and then like rivers is also um. There is the uh, chance for some entrapment. So, Jay, uh, what's going on with Roman Reigns right now? Oh, my God. Um, I haven't followed WWE in, in a while, but essentially, uh, I'm, I'm guessing he's heel turning. Uh, I know he's been out for a while. A lot of that actually had to do with the his family. He felt like he would endanger his family by working, so he actually took the time off. And he just kind of got beefy and decided and just came back and said, hey, I'm with Paul Heyman now. And we're like, wait, what? Is he evil now? I guess he's evil now. We're OK with it. Um, He got new teeth and I hear he's down our throats. Yes, he is. He is down our throats. <laughs> I was like that. That was the wrong thing to say, Roman. They're, they, the t- they're two sides to to wrestle wrestling WWE fandom. And as the people who hate Roman and the people who are very horny and love Roman, and yeah. I'm like, I'm like that 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 was not good phrasing. I don't think that you could be like the like in the shield for that long and not realize people are horny for you, though. Oh, oh yeah. Um, uh, for me, like I never have. I don't watch. I don't watch WWE, but I um think people hate on Roman Reigns because like. He just got like a big push that maybe like he wasn't ready for. Like I don't think there's anything wrong with him as like a performer or like person. He he seems fine. Oh oh, so uh, basically the it goes into uh again he was very green when they pushed him. Vince decided to push him for whatever Vince's reasons. I will never know why. And then people were like, eh. And then CM Punk apparently went on a podcast and said he had to like put over Roman Reigns, and people just oh. took it as like. How dare CM Punk do his job of a veteran wrestler and put over the new guy? So they started hating him ever since because of that mentality. Yeah. And... If you hate everyone that CM Punk wants you to, that's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. Uh, personally, um, I'm a fan of wrestling. I, I just, I can't with the way people are made to kind of like do stuff at WWE like I love so many people there but then I'm like I don't really love the storylines or the way some things like play out and like I don't love your weird like Antifa thing you got going on where it's like mm-hmm. this group that shows up and like breaks boxes and throws Molotov cocktails at generators 
Or my, my favorite was, um, I'm actually, I was, I, uh, one of my friends who's an indie wrestler, Nick Iggy, was actually on as a, as an enhancement talent. He just got thrown into the ring by them and we're like, great job, Nick. You're a great security guard. <laughs> yeah. Um, we like AEW and, uh, we watch some New Japan at some impact and like, just like, okay, like what I like is, um, when, <laughs> When people have the ability to like uh, feel like real people in a company, yeah, and like the weird independent like contractor thing that's like going on, where like they're not independent contractors in the slightest, like they're full on being like controlled and like also can't use Twitch and Cameo now, or they can but not with their names, and like has to be in their real name or whatever. It's just yeah, it makes me mad. I. Uh- it, it makes me very mad. Uh, AEW, I am like, I know I've said some hot things about them, but it's mainly because I'm like, hey, I'm just upholding to that promise. I actually really like your booking. You have my favorite wrestler ever employed, which is Christopher Daniels. <laughs> so I'm like, I love that old man. Uh, and uh, But it's just like, you could tweak your women's division better, and it sounds like they are trying at least with uh, yeah. moving one of the matches on the pay-per-view. So they're... They're starting to begrudgingly listen to that bit. Yeah, they were in a weird place because they like after the travel, like after travel restrictions, they basically had like eight people and like three of them got pretty seriously injured for months. So that didn't help. But yeah, they definitely have a problem there. And like they're trying to fix it because they I'm pretty sure they've brought on a bunch of people with their little tag tournament that was on YouTube. And they had um, at least a couple people coming in for um, all out like thunder rosa who like i'd love to see more of but i wish that tournament had been like on tv personally yeah no i just Uh, yeah i I mostly follow uh indie wrestling uh i want to actually get into impact because impact is just kind of strange Mm -hmm. and i I love those strange weird people that uh their company like was supposed to die several times and, and it hasn't so I mean, right now is a good time because, like, they kind of cleaned house. There's no Tessa. There's no Joey Ryan. There's no, like, mm-hmm. Michael Elgin. So that's a, I feel much better supporting them. And, like, if they just, like, maybe tweak their commentary and, like, that would be it for me as like, far as liking them more often, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would love to see the wrestlers in WWE, though, form some kind of union and get some kind of, like, actual protection or, like, benefits in, like, a real way because... I just, they have an incredible roster of people who do, like, mm-hmm. incredible things, and, like, a lot of them seem like cool people, like Sami Zayn, for example. Like, I would, like, love to see, like, them just be better served, I guess. Yeah, and uh, I, I personally, I just kind of, like, in my heart, like, I hope Sami Zayn and people like that are trying to do something behind the scenes. Um, cause one of those things about unionization is unfortunately you have to be very yeah. overt and quiet about it. So I'm hoping, I'm just like hoping something's going on. Cause it, it really is like just, it's a carny business in general. And Vince McMahon is just the worst carny of all time. And like even places like AEW, like it seems like the contract they have, people can work indie shows in other countries and like have their own like merch and like their own brand outside of it. Even if the deal was the same, I'd still love it if they were protected by a like union, just because like even if like they have the best deal that they would negotiate for, just personally, I would like it better if like they just had like whatever more leverage or like security there, you know? Yeah, and I feel the same. 
Um, and also, I, I I do believe that also some of them are, are full time employed by them. So that's that, really uh, cool. That's a good. Yeah, that is a good step in the right direction. That some of them, yeah, have contracts, but some of them are actually full time employed. Then there's New Japan, which just is its own thing, but is great. Yeah, it's great, and a lot of wrestling in in Japan's pretty great. It's hard to keep up with it all, and I have friends that do, and I'm like, I salute you. Like I will like pay attention whenever like there's a really cool like DDT show where they're like in the woods or whatever, like in like a train, but that's it mm. for me really. As far as keeping up. Yeah. Um. But no, um, we seem to like um, tactile expressions of characters through big statements and ideals, which is why we um, like both wrestling and Kamen Rider. And I think um, yeah. we should probably uh, make like Marty Chinetti and break some glass and talk about Kamen Rider Ryuki. Yeah, and this is actually a great I think going into it because Ryuki is also uh, ran by you know it's a it's a thing that's ran by a carny so <laughs> except he just wants people to kill each other for wishes so I'm just imagining like Shiro now just being like that's some good shit yeah <laughs> I I may have not entertained the idea in my head of what would what if Ryuki was actually like redone and an AU where it's just a uh, wrestling promotion. <laughs> he's got a, he's got a vet. <laughs> I, I don't, uh, no, Vince McMahon is, that would be. <laughs> oh my God. Ah. Yeah. Ah. What's a burrito? <laughs> uh. Before we get to it in the, in the weeds, let's, um, Transfer over cover to Ryuki. Alright, and we are back to talk spoilers and conversation, like recap about like Rider Ryuki, and what's this? Oh, um, there's a name on the contract card. It's McMahon, but it's Shinji. <laughs> Shinji McMahon. Uh, but no, that's I can't get Vince McMahon out of my head now. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah. So you want to enter the Rider War? Here's your here's your deck and a contract thing. Final vent. <laughs> Sword Vince. I feel like Vince McMahon. We're gonna get to this later, but Vince McMahon is probably would would no. It'd be Shane that would be most like June. Yeah, yeah. I feel. <laughs> but again, I hate how like you constantly see like June like just like jumping off these really tall buildings and onto these weird things. Ah, uh, Common Rider. <laughs> Shane is the Common Rider with the great. <laughs> With the best striking power. <laughs> uh, it's Judo Mac. Uh. <laughs> what? Judo just comes out this. Here comes the money. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, June is like out of jail because his dad's like a like politician or has money or something. Yeah, his dad's a CEO. Um, and and basically, um, 
we didn't, uh, you know, it was, uh, and basically kind of real quick, uh, his, he comes up in the writer war because he's in college working with a gaming group, and essentially he's like, huh, yeah. what if I turn the writer war into an actual game? So he just kind of does things for lulls and shits and giggles, and because he has money. Which is very prescient, and also I wanted to, like, include the death game, like, where he turns, like, an internet, like, chat room into, like, this whole thing, and I couldn't make it make sense within the limits, but um, around, like, episode 15 when we were introduced to Judd, it's so worth it. It's so... It's just the yeah. show on its shit in a great way. Yeah. But, uh, no. So, um, we start by looking at the first two episodes of Ryuki, which, um, they're a lot of fun. Like, I like how the show does, like, the journalist, like, and, like, a lot of urban legends angle, and, like, that's, like, is, like, one thing, like, I, like, didn't really remember as well. It's like, oh, like, a lot of this stuff is couched in, like, these weird, like, missing person, like, monster mystery, like, closed box things. I really like. Yeah. I really like that. Um, also, kind of, Shinji uh, coming from the point of view of just being a gung-ho journalist, but not quite knowing what that meant and having, like, the chief and uh, um, blanking on her name. I'm gonna go get it real quick. Shimada? Uh, uh, not Shimada, uh, Reiko. Yeah, Reiko, yeah. Reiko, uh, and Reiko giving that whole speech of, like, to him when he was just busting in the things and everything of, like, this list of missing people are people. They are, they have families, and they're gone. Yeah. No, like, uh, something that I think um makes shows like Common Rider fun, and, like, a lot of, like, and, like, to watch, like, interesting is the fact that um they don't have a lot of like pretext or like they don't hide the fact that um these characters are points of view that like have yeah. power and like i like how consistently like they'll just kind of like let characters just like be these like big dumb babies like shinji who just believe in something and just like the whole arc of like the show is him just being like hurt continually trying to like believe in people and like things and like trying to learn like what he needs to do to like make his viewpoint matter and to make people's lives matter and like i just like love he's probably the most <sighs> infantile of the common writers just in general i have to yeah. say uh, and I feel like it serves a point immature. with just yeah immature and I think it serves a point one is age I think he's like young 20s maybe 19 so he does have you know the whole naivete there of being super young um but there's also the fact that everyone else is a fucking asshole yeah so you so you need that big foil of just someone so kind of pure in their sense of justice that um it kind of plays off of everyone else. Um, and something I think I'll go into when we go into another episode arc we go into about him and how he butts heads with Kitaoka. But yeah, it's like Shinji, Shinji, I will note, uh, another thing that goes over in this episode uh, arc uh, is Shinji's the only one in the writer war that actually chooses the contract mm -hmm. without kind of being coerced into it. He actually chooses it uh, through the fact he wants to help people, Yui's the one that actually contracts him, not um, 
Shiro, and Shiro, when Shiro often contracts people, he goes to them uh, to basically people who are very extremely desperate and need that contract. As much as like the writer powers get used to like for personal gain or like to entertain people, they are being exploited because like <laughs> this doesn't have to be that way. Like uh, this whole like situation, like the writer war, is completely avoidable. Like there is a reason it happens, and we don't really get that here. So I don't want to like t- talk about why it happens, but. It's definitely like the case of like, well, you are kind of like creating harm. You are harming people, even if like you think this needs to happen, which uh, is like just, um, yeah, just. Yeah. And it kind of, we, it's not a, you know, the quick bit with scissors, I think does go over, I think the wish granting of it, mm-hmm. but it's like, um, you know, that's not an episode of point because scissors is just kind of there to get eaten. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> And, uh, but yeah, it's like, it, it's just kind of a thing that, you know, people are kind of pushed into this and into this wish-making Raider War, and we don't know why, and quite frankly, it's not covered until much later in the series, and uh, into that. And that, again, re- the first two episodes also, I feel like, produced that mystery. Uh, a lot of, I think, that helped with Kuga. And and Agito was just kind of these mystery seasons of there's a mystery of these bad guys and whether their aim is, uh, for instance, with like you kind of with Ryuki, it's the mirror monsters. OK, what's the aim of the mirror monsters? I see this weird guy named Shiro. Uh, you know, what's going on here? And it's kind of a mystery to uh, build up on. And like something that I think um is very important to Kamen Rider is like the way that um I love when like franchises introduce proper nouns and like explanations for like tropes in the franchise and um like uh the cross of fire like the idea that all Kamen Riders are intrinsically linked to the evil they're fighting against like and they are like a part of it and like to the point in like Zeo for example when Kamen Riders like um get erased from the timeline their enemies get a race too so it's not even like there's a timeline without a hero it's just like oh there's just this the story didn't happen um is really exemplified in ryuki by how clearly people are just like these different like views on the world like assholes that like here i'm giving you the ability to like act out your um your viewpoint on the world and like it's a lot about this show like especially for like Shinji and like Ren is like oh um you've been given like the ability to act and like enact your will on the world and like that's kind of like an inherently evil thing how do you balance that and how do you know when to do it and how you can do it like without like hurting other people or being like yourself like I like bad person compared to like like Shiro yeah um and it does kind of go like uh and and one of the things I noticed also um with Heisei, uh, with old Heisei and with Ryuki is that the monsters are not, like, weird fascists who are creating robots. They are actually, like, almost Eldrick Abomination-type monsters. Yeah. Like, so- something you would see out of a, a Lovecraftian horror um, that, you know, like, sh- in the shadows or evolve similar to us or gods, and um, so... I love the way they do it in like um in like Blade for example where it's just like oh this is just like like the way they explain what the monsters 
in that show are just like oh that gives you like a weird sympathy for them but also like makes you kind of like examine yourself as well and like how like they're such good murderers and like agito where there's like one episode where like a jellyfish makes like people drown in trees or something in like agito and like oh yeah it's yeah, awesome it's great of that shit mm-hmm. uh, but um it's worth noting that um we we first meet ren and like yui and they're like in the night like responding to somebody getting like attacked by a monster and like they're all like mysterious and cool and in their leather jackets and like running and uh with shinji he's like getting punched by this truck driver and then we find yes! out that he's getting punched because somebody else's bike got hit by the truck driver and he didn't actually see it but he thinks that the truck driver is at fault yeah, and he's like, and it has to be told, like, hey, don't don't snoop around that stuff. You know, you kind of see, like, this is the hero, a complete idiot. I think I earlier called him today, uh, the uh, uh, a word a word that's floating around, like bim boy, instead of a himbo, because he's not like hunky or anything, but he is like a pretty boy. But he's kind of a bim boy. Okay, just, yeah, just, just completely pretty and dumb. Yeah, um, I think um when I was talking with ashley we talked about um if tommy was a himbo and i think we agreed yeah but yeah um for shinji he's definitely like that he's just so like you're either an asshole or like really hapless in like common rider like if you're like a main character and he's definitely in the hapless part of this yeah and yeah and like there's like this whole um arc here of like um him being asked is he gonna like leave the website because like Shimada's trying to update photos? He's like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm getting fired yet or like if I'm gonna like keep like yeah. being part of this. And just um, I I just um do like the way that he's just such a child, like even compared like to like other hapless common writers. Yes, it's just just oh my god, his bike is so dumb too. I love it. Oh yeah, no, he has like a little moped or something. Like, everyone else gets kind of, like, a cool motorcycle or even, like, a sporty motorcycle. He's like, I have a moped. It reminds me, um, have you ever seen the Macaulay Culkin movie Pagemaster? Yes! Oh, my God! <laughs> Macaulay Culkin has this awesome bike that's like, has, like, massive lights on it and, like, a weird, like, deflector shield and, like, gets scared. It, like, that is exactly what Shinji's bike looks like. Also, uh, one trope in this episode that I love about like especially early Heisai uh is um detectives that like appear in like four episodes and like do nothing. Oh yeah. Like it's like a like um in like Fives, for example, sometimes there's some detectives, but only like in six episodes and like they never really accomplish anything. It's like it's like we already had the perfect Ichijo, we can't really go from there. Yeah, um to tangent out a little bit. I saw there was some like survey of the best ships in Common Rider the other day, um, or yesterday, last night, I guess. Um, yeah, it was an interesting list. I wasn't sure it, it I felt was. about it. It felt like a little. There were some. Uh, there were some omissions, and also some that were like a bit lower. Like like um, when they had like um, th- um, the made one from like Drive, for example, with like a. Chase and go, and that was like number twenty two or something. I was like, that seems really low. This would be very high. I think. Um, what? Let me look at it again because I'm I'm pretty sure like uh 
Date Goto was higher than uh, A.G. Ankh, and I'm like, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah, it felt very weird. Like, I, a ship like Date and, like, Goto is, like, it's there, but I feel like you can't compare it to, like, some other major ships, you know? Yeah. It's not the same level. Wait, let me, let me, I, I just picked up the thread, so let me jump, yeah, because it's like, yeah, no, it's ranked higher than AG Ankh, and I'm like, what? Who are the top five AG? on there? Uh, top five on there, um, is, uh, Godai Ichijo was number one, Momotoros and Ryoto was Kamen Rider, uh, is number two, uh, uh Gazen, uh, Sogo? Yes, Sogo. Uh, from uh is it Zio? Yeah, Zio. Zio? Yeah, Zio. Uh Ry Ryugan Sento from Build. Okay, that makes sense. Uh Sukasa and Daiki from uh Decade. Zack and Kaito for Gaim was really high. That and I'm like, that was kind weird. of a that seems weird. Emo and Hi uh Hero from X Aid. Uh Sukasa Yusuke from Decade. Yeah, sure. And uh Kazumi Gen. Gintoku from Build. Shotaran Philip was number 10. Okay, that's that's one of those ones like weird, but I mean, how much is there from like Ryuki? Because I feel like there's only one from Ryuki and it wasn't the one I thought that would be there. Uh I don't think any were from Ryuki. Really? I was like, what? There was barely anything uh pre-decayed, actually, minus uh Blade. Yeah. Blade was the yeah, Blade was the only pre-decayed ship. Wow, that's a bad list. <laughs> I would yeah, because I'm like, yeah, because I was just like, there's, there's the, well, first off, I'm like surprised that the Juggernaut ship of O's ranked lower than the secondary ship of O's. So I'm like, okay, that's weird. Uh, but other than that, it's like, yeah, just there's almost no old Heisei in it, and I'm like, guys, old Heisei super gay. You should, you should yeah. go watch it. Uh. Like Kuga and Blade, I'm like that. That's it, guys. There's there's other things to watch. It's hella gay. Go watch it. It's it's great. I feel like uh, you can't do it without a lot of Ryuki. At least there's at least two major Ryuki ships. I would say that have to be in the top contention. Um, but yeah, just so we get slightly back on topic from where I from where I took us off of. Just I love the way that Shinji just like leaves to go get some like pencil lead or something and then goes to investigate on his own someplace mm -hmm. and just like absolutely like can't take any genre hints like oh why is this mirror boarded up I better unboard it what's this thing on the ground am I picking this up I am a dumb baby great and then he has to like apologize he like somehow destroys like the whole like windows and he can't explain it and then um that's when he goes into the mirror world yep and um one trope i love is when a rider has like a shitty form <laughs> that's like less than like their main form oh yeah because uh he does he's not contracted out to um oh god what's the name of the fucking dragon uh to drag rider drag drag rider yeah because they're weirdly german for some reason yeah most of the names that is true, actually. Um, I don't know why that is, but yeah. Yeah. And like that whole fight's a lot of fun because he just like looks very basic, like like that little like um, 
card shooter on like his hand and the like the crappy sword and like he can't punch just getting like tossed through like signs and through walls it's great and then like ren yeah. is just being cool and knows how to transform ren's like i'm <laughs> batman yeah with dark wing <laughs> i love how um even though ren's too cool he still like has to like say he has to say like headshot and like pose like he can't like be so cool that he can't do that he's just like yep and, and he says cool. it so seriously. It's like Henshin, <laughs> so serious. Yeah, and um, just the way we uh, transition to the second episode, though, is just like, oh, um, you're this dumb baby. You got hit by this because like uh, Ren defeats the spider monster, but then they're attacked by like Drag Redder, and then like um, one of my other favorite tropes happened, which is you got hurt. Let's like uh, let's bring you to my house and like. Put like a towel on your head, and, like make you some tea. Yeah, It'd be better. <clears throat> yeah, um, and just the rest of this first arc is people ragging on Shinji until he kind of makes the decision to like, oh, um, there's this girl like whose mom is missing. I should probably like care about people and do something with like what I believe and wanting to like protect people. And he makes the contract, which is really cool. Like I love that he is like, as you said, like the only active person in this. Yeah. And he's cool and stuff, but uh, yeah. Um, and the gap to episode two to episode eleven is a lot. <laughs> a lot happens. Yeah. But um, yeah. A couple like there were. I think the main gist of the that of what happened was three. Uh, two other writers were introduced during that time period, and one of them uh died very quickly within the second episode. Yeah. To kind of more show off that um. <laughs> That this is a you know very serious thing going on, and then the other uh was Kidoka, and he doesn't show up on this, but on the next thing we're covering. Mm -hmm. So it was just kind of more like, here's the other guy, and he's an asshole lawyer. Yeah, and like he's the catalyst for Ren losing his memory, and I really love these two episodes because a um I can't think of a more unconvincing attempt to make. Ren seem like he's in a relationship and doesn't have feelings for like Shinji than with Eri. Just they have no there's no like there's almost no like attraction or like chemistry and just like she feels like such like a angst hetero like cover up um, rather than a character. I mean it, it's it's interesting because it's like that I that could just be the actors and how you know that was written because that is Ren's entire catalyst for the entire series is eerie. Like, that's why he became a writer and stuff like that. But just kind of seems like heterosexual explanation for things. He's trying to save a girl that's in a coma. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Whatever. And. And just like, it's so like, it's like telling us it's not showing. It's just like, oh, he totally loves this girl. <laughs> okay, I'm sure. Uh, it, you're you're very right about the telling and not showing because like he doesn't flash back to her that often. He mainly flashes back to the lab, yeah, uh, and the the connection with the lab and everything. And like there's like one flashback that maybe connects to her. Uh, everything else of him trying to get his memory back, you just kind of see he was a delinquent of sort and got beaten up places. And I love that arc though. It's great. Yeah. But it, yeah, it just kind of does, it's just more or less like, we just have you accept that there's heterosexuality here, instead of actually, like, cultivating there's actually something wrong, 
Um, and, um, you know, and, and again, that's actually how he gets into the writer war. He kind of, he goes, meets up with, it, it basically, Eerie sets up a meeting, and he goes into there and just sees the, the lab erect, and Shiro hands him the contract and says, you know, will you do what it takes to, to basically heal her? And that's not even, like, to be fair, like, a lot of people would do that without, like, caring for the person happens. Like, oh, no, I found somebody, like, that's, like, about to die or, like, in, like, precognition. I'll help out, sure, without, like, having the time to think or knowing, like, the consequences. Like, that's not, like, an inhuman thing to be like, well, like, we're told they're a relationship, but a lot of it just seems like it's angst over the fact that, like, he has feelings for, like, Shinji rather than, like, actual about her. Uh, and yeah, um, I remember Ren losing his memory a lot. Maybe it's just this one time, but like in my head, like he loses like his memory like two or three times. That might be wrong there. Um, yeah, it's probably I'm just the to remember one. Myself. I think it's just the one time. It just feels like it. Yeah. Um, I know that, uh, getting eerie comes back again when he takes her to like the beach or something oh, in yeah, one episode, yeah. um, later on, um, like and I think in the mid like second season arc he does that and uh but yeah it's just kind of um I'm one of those people where I'm like I understand that the entirety of Ren's motivation in the writer war is eerie and everything like that's his motivation in fact later on and uh I think the secondary arc he does end up betraying people because of it but at the same time it's just kind of like it's not the most the heterosexuality of this in general is not the most well written. Uh, I I I I don't know if we want to go to the end or not, but I have I have some things about the ending uh, that just made me so angry. Yeah, um, we should talk about uh, one. Um, I do like the way that Shinji's basically playing like a yakuza game for Ren, like the whole time, just like following around. Oh yeah. <laughs> random dudes in like big shirts and like super 1990s like sunglasses show up be like you won't forget who i am like it's like time to like fight or whatever and like we never know if they're fighting or playing games because like the first person just like super luxuriously haired like dude in like a pool lounge is like yeah you'll remember my name after i beat you at pool like you'll know who i am like you'll recognize me and it's just like so it has a different energy that I think they want it to. Just like Ren's this like boy around town, like getting into like weird like dual monsters like fights. I don't know. Yeah. It um I'm trying I think a lot of the stunt team showed up to be the Yakuza members or just delinquents in general. So um uh, but but yeah, it it definitely the secondary part arc of it, if I can remember, there's like is the train car as well as there's like two secondary arcs and that is the train car of Reiko investigating the train car disappearance. Um, and then the other is Yui, uh, getting more and more info about, uh, Shiro, her brother. And again, it like culminates. So they all go to the same place. Uh, Ren remembers the place obviously. And then remembers when Shiro like contact, like contracted him and, and, uh, like, Yui gets a slight idea of what her brother was doing and how he released the mirror monsters into the world, so... It's so delightfully vague, because, like, they never really reference what kind of science they did to enter the mirror dimension and control wishes. But, like, yeah. I really love that. It's just like, oh yeah, he was doing science in the lab. 
<laughs> now he lives in a mirror. <laughs> like this lab. He's doing science and stuff. <laughs> and like all we see in the lab is like um a bunch of mirrors, some old chairs, and like some sunglasses. <laughs> so I just don't know what what the process was at all, and I love it. It's great. Like like a VR helmet or something, but it's sunglasses. And it's just like, oh my goodness. And like um I like how throughout the show we see like Reiko like doing these different mysteries and being on her own and like maybe not having the information and like it's like cool that she's like involved it's kind of to damsel her sometimes i guess but it doesn't feel that way like as much as it that might be the case yeah um it, it, there's there were, uh, i think it, it comes into the play that the fact that there were uh uh Kobayashi is credited as the main writer and head writer of the show, but Inoue was the other writer that penned a lot of it too. And so you could, and you could, you could feel a little Inoue in there, and you could feel a little bit of her as well. And I think this is why I think I like this series among her others is because they just she kind of checks a lot of his weird sexism, <laughs> and he in turn kind of checks a lot of her weird like hangups on uh, on angst. So I think it just kind of. Like Reiko and later the, the the other thing I mentioned with heterosexuality we won't go into, but Reiko just kind of seems like Inoue wants to pull her to be damseled in a lot, but also be her own person where Kobayashi, I feel like, is trying to be like, no, she's a reporter. Like that's her job. Um one thing with the franchise like is like a major flaw is that like when your franchise is about like people being empowered to have like their ideals and like that's how they discuss is like the conversations had in this franchise are you have this power now to like exert your like viewpoint when there aren't a lot of like female writers that definitely just makes things pronounced um so like it's like a thing i'd like to see changed more because like it does kind of like feel like if you're not like a writer sometimes you don't have a voice in the shows yeah and and that's also hard in general with uh just stuff I barely know about the feminist movement in Japan. It's 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 like it's it's a pretty steep mountain to climb um, in general. And it's gotten like a little better. Um, like even just the past few years, there's some characters who like feel less egregious in that way. <laughs> so it's like it's like changing a bit. Like and like maybe the push internationally that they're like kind of starting to do might change that as well. But who knows? Um. And yeah, um, a lot of the show is catalyst, like just based on um, Shiro and like Yui being like separated as children after their parents die, and like not really knowing what's going on there. And um, just the show is so much about Yui that it almost like it tends to like sideline her sometimes because like it's so much about yeah. her. And it's like, oh, like why is my brother doing this stuff? And that doesn't always give her time to like do things which is just like the plot <laughs> yeah um i often find that and it, it, i've often find that common writer yuki more so than others definitely feels like a mystery soap opera going on uh with, with fight scenes in it and you know it just feels like yui's trying to get to the bottom of her mystery and almost her entire character just revolves around her brother yeah that's like a yeah that's like a thing and like also um with some kind of writer shows, it feels like, oh, we've done our drama. Make sure we have three minutes of fighting. <laughs> yeah. So it counts as Toku. Pretty much. Yeah, it counts as Toku. Um, and yeah, um, 
my favorite part of the whole episode though oh, or like the arc has to be um there's this um like when they all come to the room um there um shinji had like let ren go after ren almost caused like a car accident or like scratched up some cars so there's a scene where um yui says shinji how'd you get hurt and he's like covered in like big like potato bruises and then he's like it's no big deal so how'd it go red and then red just says good (laughs) as if he didn't just get his ass kicked (laughs) he was rude to people uh just it's such a great encapsulation of the whole like dynamic the three have where like she cares he's like oh it's all right and then like ren doesn't even acknowledge it yeah and i want to say it's this episode arc that one of the uh other kind of small things is no it's it's another one that involves like shinji cooking and ren not wanting to be a part of things so yeah that's the next one but um the other i just got him confused the other small arc is that um the professor that Shiro worked with has like a card to steal and like not be like attacked by monsters, but he drops it in a river, and then he gets eaten, and that's yeah. the catalyst for them having to fight at the end. And uh, yeah. yeah, and the very end of this is Ren steals the monster energy. Well, I guess it's the monster energy. That's, that sounds a little different, but um, and then, um, I think you probably want to talk about the end scene in the hospital bed right here with the mirror and the and the wedding bands. Oh, uh, I kind of forgot about it. Oh, and it's like there's so much happens, and they kind of do like, oh, hey, this is why Ren was fighting. And uh, like I said, it's like you can understand that this is the reason and everything that Ren's fighting, but that doesn't mean that they hired people with good chemistry together and really told the story well. So, and it, it's just kind of like, oh, hey, yeah, that's his, that's his fiance. Yeah, that's totally his real fiance. Canada, um, <laughs> I was gonna say from Canada, but just the way that um he goes to the hospital room and then like sees Darkwing in the mirror, punches the mirror, has a bloody hand, and grips like the like wedding pants. It's so much. It's so much. <laughs> it's great. Oh my god. Uh, and just like it's like almost like they're. I don't think they were intentionally trying to like present Ren as like a Schrodinger's cat of like being into men but <laughs> I feel like they do accidentally here where they're like it's enough for like the fans either way to be like oh like I want to be with him or oh like I want to see the ship happen because I kind of feel like nobody actually wants Ren to be with Ari in the show they're just like oh I love that he's angsty about it because like these actors were very popular with the show like when the show came out like getting swamped when they went places and stuff and just <laughs> i have uh, a bunch of photo books about it uh, uh oh my god like there's actually one that's not a photo book it's actually a magazine where they interviewed um a couple of the actors the reason why i got it it had um rohi and tomohisa yuge in it who are kidoka and goro but it also had uh, some of the other actors in it doing like photo shoots and talk and stuff. And actually, Ren's actors on the cover of it. Yeah, I think this is kind of like what? Yeah, the, it, it was super popular <laughs> with people because it was it was pretty angsty boys. Yeah, pretty angsty boys in leather jackets and like dumb shirts. Like, like Shinji has this great shirt that's just like um, hatred, anger 
piss and like exhibitionism yeah, the, or something. It's like weed smoker. Or yeah, weed smoker shit. on it. I love when they like when they have those weird outfits. Like uh like um in like Zero One, for example, like the iconic outfit for like the main writer Aruto is he has this um weird hoodie that says canned beef on it. <laughs> and that's like it's like that's like the two hundred dollar sweatshirt that you can buy on Premium Bandai if you want to cosplay. <laughs> Just one that says canned beef for two hundred dollars. Yeah. Uh, which that's art to me uh i think i think that uh i think one of the episodes we're covering the, the like bullshit artist shirt of shinji that has all that cursed yeah yeah which on it shows up in one of these episodes <laughs> well like you talk about translating um and like how like oh like when you're translating like different fiction and poetry and that kind of stuff like you lose things in the translation which sometimes like you have to like change things to better get across meaning so if like you have things like in english like the most beautiful word is something like cellar door in in japanese it's like bullshit artists and like piss and canned beef those are the most beautiful words <laughs> um but yeah uh, so um this next arc with 13 and 14 it's all about um introducing tezuka and also like it's our intro to Kitaoka and to Goro. Um, and we've seen those last two before, but uh, just I really wanted to do these episodes because of the prank that gets pulled on Shinji here. Oh, yeah. It's the worst, and it's so funny. <laughs> I, I hate it. Um, um, my thing with it, I, I people kind of point out, like, why does Goro, like, stay around with Kitaoka? Because, you know, like, Goro's such a nice, sweet guy. And I'm like, yeah, he kind of is, but also he totally went along with this whole Entirely. thing. Entirely. No protest. Entirely. There was no protest. He's like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll fuck with this guy and pretend I'm dead. And it doesn't help that um, at first I thought it was forced perspective in the elevator, and, and it definitely was, but they're both so much taller than Shinji. <laughs> um, that's a point of... Uh, so, Rohi, I think I'm pronouncing his name right, uh, is... The actor plays Kitaoka, and he's one of the tallest people they have ever casted for Common Rider. He's like 6'2". Okay. And he used to have a blog about being that height uh, <laughs> and living in Japan, and it was just so endearingly funny. I mean... And uh, Yuge's not that much taller. He's like an inch taller than him, so... I mean, like, he is, like, perhaps, like, he's just so, like, frustratingly, like handsome and tall and everything and like rich is like it's per for the character it works entirely yeah. <laughs> but yeah um here's where like the episode starts with ren not toasting or eating the food from like shinji and that whole scene yeah and um there's this whole fight where like ren's like i'm not here to make friends and like shinji goes out with this plate of food trying to make him be nice and then like um ask what's wrong with making friends before like complaining that the food's cold it's, it's, it's such a great moment for shinji and ren that's... yes uh. shinji is is so much like a mob sometimes like what's wrong with making friends oh you made my food cold and while they're going off to like fight um yui's aunt says oh they're like brothers which yeah they're like 
what's that meme like gals being pals like they're like totally like yeah, brothers. Yeah, just gals being pals. Yeah, they're just brothers. And then she asked like Yui, so who are you gonna settle down with? That that is kind of like the big thing with uh, Auntie is she just kind of more or less like constantly tries to get Yui in a relationship. And Yui's like 19, I think. It's explicit to the plot in ways we can't reveal that she's not 20 yet. Yeah. (laughs) Like, we know that she's not 20 yet. And, like, it's just like, she can't even drink when they're having food. And, like, her aunt's like, yeah, like, and it keeps coming up a little bit. Um, Like, we don't see it a ton, but, like, a lot of the different rider boys come in to help do dishes and serve coffee because they know that they, like, can do, like, some fun, like, host club stuff and like the whole thing like when the aunt's introduced she's like oh like shinji's perfect but he's clumsy oh no and then like ren is an asshole but he's so good at things who's you we get to marry it's like <laughs> it keeps happening too like with like some later writers and like with um with like virtually everybody i think but like kidaoka and like uh, and like think asakura they don't work there that's it for like the main writers in the show who like yeah. don't stop in to be like oh maybe maybe you should marry you <laughs> it's so weird like kidoka kidoka <laughs> stops in i think like once or twice or something but never when like the grandmother is around or, or auntie's around and then like definitely not in a way of like hey i'm interested in working here yeah and like it's so endearing that like they need to work. I love writer shows where they aren't just like randomly moneyed in some way where like they don't have to worry about it. It's great. I love it. Uh, but no, um so Ren has a montage of driving through the city that's really trippy and like weird. Um and then that's when he's like having some coffee in a like near a fountain um and he meets tezuka who is like touching a woman's face after like flipping three coins and saying that in her life will be destruction soon and just yeah this reminded me so much of like jojo's bizarre adventure like yeah common riders find each other like standards they're like oh who could possibly be a like common rider here not the person doing fortunes (laughs) in like a weird orange like suit couldn't be him Weird orange kind of suit with with rings on his finger, and he's using like a weird fortune telling, like flipping a bunch of coins. Yeah, there's just some um, point in the in the last of episodes where um Jun notices that um that Asakura is like a the common rider, but it's also like he's in like a snakeskin jacket with like no shirt on underneath. <laughs> I think you know, you know why he's a common rider. <laughs> It's like that, like, um, who's the main character in this, like, one still of, like, this anime? Is it, like, the boy with, like, normal hair or the boy with massive, like, spikes and, like, weird purple accents? Yeah, it's like, hmm, who's, who's the main character? Yeah, it kind of feels like that with Kamen Rider. It's like, the enemy stand user could be anywhere among anyone. Enemy stand user is, like, outrageously dressed. Yeah, and, like, a, like... <laughs> And like fishnet pants and like a Gucci thong. That couldn't be the yeah. other rider. Which is like what brings it back to wrestling though. It's like oh, just like like who could it be? Is it um the man 
who's dressed like a prisoner with like some shackles on or something? Is it this random guy in like Umbros? No, it's not like the prisoner. But um and there's this very charged moment where like Tezuka like reveals his deck to Ren and it kind of adds to the sexual tension, I feel like, just the way he does it. <laughs> just like we're like, hey, what's up? I got this. You know Wait, what that you means. have coffee? I have coffee. And Ren's like, go away. <laughs> yeah, and I just um love how Tezuka just he's so much like the way that he is always doing a different kind of fortune telling and he never sticks to one. He's like, today like I have like some pennies and some matches. And if like the match is struck when the pennies bounced off it, like that means that you're gonna die. It's <laughs> like this all these different things. Um and yeah, um, and that's when the other plot will happen of like the two team, there's um, the journalists and the lawyers are in the elevator. Um, the journalists to um, find out why people are disappearing and uh, the um, lawyers because there's like a lunch or something at the top. Like, I forget why. He, he, uh, there's like this fancy restaurant named Le Croc. <laughs> Le Croc. <laughs> and it's like this bad like like poster for it and everything that you can obviously tell they were they were like trying to save on their budget, but I think it's supposed to be like the super fancy restaurant at the top of this building that Kidoka was dining at essentially, and it, it's called like Croc. I love that the most crockish shit common writer is like trying to go to like Lake Croc. Um, <laughs> but here's where Shinji like mistakes Goro for Zolda, and it's like okay, um, just. Because of the phone call in the elevator, like, the, you know, Yui's trying to say, oh, it's it's the lawyer, yeah. Kinoka, but the, the call drops and he goes, it's the lawyer. And uh, like Shinji just automatically assumes, oh, it's the lawyer's bodyguard. Yeah. Um, and that's when, um, like, we get the major force perspective where he's like seven feet tall over like Shinji. And um, then there's two fights that happen. One between... Um, Shinji and the mirror monster where Zolda intervenes when um I forget how Shinji mistakes that Goro is Zolda, but um that's when Kidoka realizes I'm gonna fuck with this kid. Just uh Yeah. And um there's also the fight. Uh, hey, yeah, no, sorry. Cause cause uh, uh yeah, it's beforehand because <laughs> it's like Kidoka just watches uh, Shinji give this big like speech to Goro. Oh, that's about it. Being a good writer and stuff, and like using the power. Kidoka shoots, yeah, shoots, shoots him off, and he's like, "Oh wait, we can fuck with this kid." And um, interspersed is um, Ren and like Tezuka like go to fight, but um, there's a scene where Tezuka basically says like um, the fighting version of what no dinner first, just like we're rushing right to this fight to kill each other yeah oh um, pretty much yeah and that fight kind of ends with like Tezuka like not willing to actually like hurt Ren and like Ren being like I don't need somebody else who's like against killing people here that like one's enough yeah um and when Shinji's fighting the monster that's when um he gets attacked by Zolden he's like okay and then what Kidoka does is when, like, when Shinji like counterattacks, he pretends to die, and then he yeah <laughs> he gives Goro he, his he, belts. Just, uh. He's 
that Goro's like getting. I just love that the like Kiroka's crying major tears over Goro, and like the elevator's crunching Goro's legs. It's making him hump the air as it crunches his legs, and he's in these leather pants. He's holding the like deck. Yeah, and then, then he like takes him to the car. He's dead. And I'm, that. He's dead. I'm like, should you like? And then Shinji's like, wow, he's not like calling an ambulance or anything. He's just taking this dead body to his car and propping it up. And, and like the way that Shinji just ends the scene by being in the parking lot screaming, just like, ah, ah, I killed someone. <laughs> I killed someone. And Good people, these lawyers. And, yeah, and then, like, of course, Goro gets up in the car, and they all have a laugh, like, ha-ha, Shinji. And uh, Shinji just kind of goes through the rest of the episode uh, just being very brokenhearted to the point that uh, his his monster almost um, almost eats him. And, uh, yeah. well, like, Kidoka's trying to troll more people, like, hey, Reiko, why won't you date me? And Reiko's like, go away, you disgusting pervert. Yeah, I know that we're supposed to ship them, but it never happens. Or maybe we're not supposed to, but it kind of feels like sometimes we are. But at the end of the... I forget how I felt at the end of the series, but I feel like I was like, oh, yeah, I guess, like, they don't hate each other. <laughs> but it's not like... My, I felt like... She, I felt like she got kind of forced into a pity fuck situation or a pity date situation yeah. with him. Like, fine, I guess. Yeah. If you'll leave me alone, because she really is like, she like like she never changes kind of that opinion. Which I love. Uh, I yeah. Uh, that when she first when he first asked her to go to Lake Rock, uh, she goes thanks, but I rather enjoy my meal. Like she almost. She kind of begrudgingly accepts him as an ally, but never, like, falls in love with him or anything. Like, just, she's like, God, you're such a jerk. I really wish that they just, like, put, like, a mustache on Goro or something and just be like, oh, look, it's his brother or something like that. Just to see, like, <laughs> how, how long they could take it. Um, it. This is, like, such a weird reference, but um, there's this one movie called Beer League. It's this, like, very 2008, probably super messed up and not worth watching the comedy movie but there's this one scene where this character dies and they have a funeral for him and then his like texas cousin shows up and he's like oh yeah like my brother like t told me like all about you all so it's like not even like we even like have to like to like make a a like actual like friendship right now like it's just like it's like he never died and it's like a great scene in the comedy but i kind of would love to see like another thing do that which is like oh he's the same actor and we're just gonna like pretend like oh like i know you so well and like we're so similar that like it's like they didn't even die and, like I, I would love if, like this show did that <laughs> um but yeah um just the rest of the episode is like shinji tripping out and um there's a scene where ren goes to comfort shinji and he's trying so hard to like make him feel better but ren figures out that shinji didn't actually kill anybody or like hurt anybody but he just leaves he just leaves he's just like fine and then like co-inspires with uh or a journalism mainly reiko to like get keto to kind of show off uh what's going you know what what's actually happening and um as far as reiko goes it's just she agrees just to vandalize his car which i love <laughs> yeah, I love that she did what we all wish we could do sometimes with a whiny cis man baby is just 
draw tears on his profile pic because <laughs> she did that. <laughs> like, oh, boo-hoo, I don't like you. Back before social media, that was like what pee-pee-poo-poo was now. Yes! <laughs> and I love the parallel, like, in episode 12 of um Red punching the mirror and, like, bleeding and holding wedding bands to, like, Kid Oga punching, like, the massive, like, headshot of himself. Yes. <laughs> so like, oh. He's so bad. He got rejected. Um, and yeah. And then the. Oh, and when he was. The, when he was taking that photo, okay, first off, like, him and Goro were, like, having a thing, I guess. But there was, like, an entire bit of what was going on was the, um, was kind of the choral. The choral music going on in the background. <laughs> it's like, oh my god. But one of the things that interests me that plays, I guess, in later arcs with Kitaoka was him just saying the reason why he's doing that with Shinji is like, I hate guys like that. I hate altruistic motherfuckers. Like, who, like, who just want to help people. And um, he kind of, uh, through the course of the series, uh, starts changing himself to... At least love his found family. Yeah. Um, I want to say his boyfriend, because I am big on Keto Goro. <laughs> uh, that wasn't but, obvious. Yeah, he, he, yeah I, I'm very big on them, and um, I think that, um, you know, he, he really does, at least to Goro and to other people, he really starts finding a fondness to them. And, like, there's scenes later where, like, um, stuff happens, and he'll react by saying, oh, Shinji's depressed. Because, <laughs> like... And he's like, oh, that sucks. That's not great. Yeah, that's not great. I don't know how to help him, but whatever. And like, um, I love the urgency that enters the plot doesn't even make care. Like, there's definitely a point in the show we realize that these characters will like just kind of say, oh, yeah, eventually we have to kill each other and win the wish. But like, it's only later when there's some more like urgency where anybody actually like really pursues it. I feel like. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um. The scene where where um Kidoku and like Goro are confronted though is great because like you just see like Ren's there and then you see like Shinji walk in and he looks so angry and he just walks up to Goro and he's so happy that Goro's alive. He's like, Oh, I'm so glad you're safe. I'm so glad you're okay. And Goro is yeah. so flattered. He's just like, Wait, you're what? So nice. Oh, that's actually you're so nice that you're not gonna punch me. And everybody to uh, to do that. Because so. Goro gets in like a fighting stance. And it's like from then on, I feel like um, Shinji and like Goro like are like my like friendship of the show kind of though. Because like they're always so nice yeah. to each other. Uh, I think they even like swap recipes. Like Goro, yeah. that's like the one time Goro comes to their uh, to the shop and everyone's like freaking out. And he's like, hey, can I get Shinji's gyoza recipe? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, and like Shinji's just like on his knees, like holding Goro's hand, so happy. And then um, that's when like um, and the monster comes. But like then after the monster, it, or like before, like after like the um, Lorging has left, that's when Shinji's like, "Hey, where's that lawyer? Like I want to beat the shit out of him." <laughs> like, just like yeah, pretty much. Like, yeah, like he did it, not Goro. Like Goro was great. Love that guy. Real tall. <laughs> real tall. Real tall guy. The other yeah. tall guy. Fuck him. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And um, this arc ends with 
Tezuka, he sets up a roadside coin mystery, <laughs> like fortune telling to see that Red's in danger, which I love. Just how extra it is. Um, and then we get to our last set of episodes, which is 18 and 19. Now, there's a character we, we have referenced. There's a very important character. I'd say like there's like four main writer characters in the show, maybe five. And uh, the last one that we meet is <laughs> uh, is a lot. His name He's is Asakura. Just, uh, um, who, um, his thing was mainly, uh, you find, you know, he's this guy who's, uh, you know, in jail for murder, in prison for murder, and hired Kitaoka to essentially get him off, uh, get him off the charges, and Kitaoka's <laughs> like, yeah, you kind of gave me this shitty defense of, he, they pissed me off, so I killed them, and, uh, and just kind of shrugged it off and everything, and then, Kind of right after was like, oh, hey, like gets a call from Goro, and Goro's like, hey, this bot, the CEO guy wants you to get his his son off the hook for some shit, and it kind of goes into like Asakura, like eventually just getting upset, beating up a cop, and then um, meeting Shiro, yeah, yeah, and yeah, meeting Shiro, and sh- uh, Shiro basically offers him a contract to get him out of there, and I feel like Shiro went to Asakura. Because Asakura as a character is just pure, like a catalyst. Yeah, as a catalyst, he's he he he's my my favorite thing when he escapes and he goes to a uh, surplus supply is how much they reference determining. Yes, with right. Him. I was wondering that. <laughs> like, like getting yeah the same gun, like robbing a, like a guy for his his stuff. And uh, and looking in a phone book, so he's kind of like a Terminator character that will kill. Because he and... robs a military surplus store for a gun, a snakeskin leather jacket, and some chokers. That's all he takes. Yeah, that's all he takes. <laughs> uh, that's character building to me. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, Oja. He's and I think Oja comes from the word king. Yeah, no, definitely. Of uh, like, probably like king cobra and stuff but he's just he definitely sets the series in motion because like a lot of other characters aren't like really at this point is probably the most peaceful the writers are where like four of them or like three of them are just like oh yeah like well, that's not that's not important we'll like kill each other for that wish later you know or uh <laughs> or like scissors who just died immediately <laughs> trying to kill people or Juno just wants to fuck around. He's he kind of like playing with his meal a little bit. He's the troll of the group, definitely. Yeah. Um, and there's this great scene though where um Kidoka, like both after he finds out that Jun is a the common writer and after Azakari he's like, Man, they're letting anybody into this now. Like anybody could be a common writer now. It sucks. Used to be exclusive. Yeah. Used to be exclusive. I was a common writer before it was cool. Yeah. Uh <laughs> And um, one small thing that we miss is that um, this episode starts with uh, from last episode, Shinji is like rejecting the prophecy from like Tezuka, which is like really important to like their arc together later. But like, it's just like mm-hmm. he's like, I'm still going to do things, like, even if like I'm prophesized for doom or whatever. And like, he just kind of like goes for that. Like That like does matter a lot. Um, yeah. And it, it kind of plays into like, how Shiro says to Asakura, you have no problem choosing your enemies, whether it's society or fate, which is such a line. It's a great line. Uh, um, and 
the first part of the arc ends by Shinji being in a fight and then coming out and do like a hostage situation where like I guess Asakura just like kicks some cops and like took a whole restaurant hostage, which is great. Yeah. Uh. Great. Yeah. Uh, basically, well, first Asakura basically went to Kidoka's house. Oh yeah. Uh, and tried tried to kill him there and was stopped essentially because Reiko was there to investigate what was going on. And uh, then Goro basically, like, when they opened the door, because they were opening the deadbolt, uh, Goro stops, rolls a nat 20 on, like, this this initiative here of stopping Asakura from, like, piping Kidoka over the head. <laughs> and then he, he just kind of runs off to this restaurant and stuff. And I love how... um. You see Jun coding Asakura to make like a strong debut, which is so funny to me. Yeah. Um, this is also the only time we see um Shinji get like this really cool like insert theme of like fight the fire or whatever. It's like yeah, like not something I'm not sure what it is, but yeah. And um the the next episode and uh our last is the whole like hostage plot in the in the restaurant and like Shinji's trying to tell the police stuff and like his boss is like let's get let's use this to get an exclusive from the cops <laughs> uh this is great um and you doesn't really have much to do here um but there's a lot more um what of my notes is just um Kidoka treats Goro like such a wife and Goro loves it and I don't know what that was in reference to but it's it's always true uh, I know that in the in the episode, uh, basically, well, there's two things that happened in the episode. One was, of course, Goro is like cooking dinner for Kido, yeah. <laughs> and is like, oh, well, the cops called. They they're gonna send over protection. Don't worry. And I just what I, I just remember when I first saw like them in general. I'm like, are they married? He's calling him Goro Chan, and then like later on, like. Goro's cooking for him in their like weird uh place of living and it's just like, oh no, that is that they they might be married and uh the other was when Kidoka um he's talking the police call because the hostage demand uh Asakura's demand was to see Kidoka as a lo- the lawyer. because, uh, you know, basically, fuck you, you ruined my life. And uh, Goro's just very concerned and everything. And he's like, oh, don't go. He'll kill you. And Kidoka's like, but it's fine. Like, he won't actually kill me. The cops are there. They'll protect me. And, you know, it will look good on my image to do I this. Think that's so, so don't worry, you're pretty head. Yeah. And look, I don't mean anything um, gender specific when I say wife. Just the way he like is just constantly like treated as this, like, oh, like, here's my manservant who just cares about me and cooks me things. Um, yeah, I'm just like, yeah. oh my god. Oh, I love them. <laughs> and yeah, um, there's one scene that we missed where when Shitsi's in the last episode, like, in the restaurant fighting the monster, um, that's when Jun just shows up and, like, calls him dumb and says, like, why is he worrying about this? It's, like, great to see just, like, these two common writers in this restaurant and, like, one's just, like, not fighting and telling the other one, stop caring about people, you're dumb, you're lame. Yeah. Um, yeah, and um, that's when we get um, Shinji's able to, like, break up the host situation a little bit, but he stays with a child there, and that's when, like, he gets called a rare kind of stupid, which I think is true. That's 
very accurate. Um, <clears throat> and then we get um, the big fight scenes, which I love a lot of the sh- a lot of these like suits. I think Oja's is really good. Oja's is super good. Uh, I I'll, I'll say one quick thing that I really liked about watching the translation I did was they changed Asakura from saying like Vex to pissed off because. Vex just made him sound like a like a weird Shakespearean character, uh, whereas they they kind of localized it to "I'm pissed off," like you're pissing me off. And he's he's def- uh but Oja just has one of the best suits in in Ryuki, I think. It's like great. It's purple. It's gold. It looks different and grand. Like I think, unless I'm like wrong, but he um has some like no his um. His like slots are still silver. Never mind. Like that. Like his slots were um, are gold. But yeah. Um, no. I just uh, I do love um how in my translation um, there's this great scene um where Ren says to Shinji um, I love to be in your grace, uh, as I yeah. remember. But no. Um. Yeah. Your point on translations is good. Last year. The Ava community got a really bad translation by um a credibly accused pedophile. <laughs> so uh, yeah, who, yeah. So I like when people translate like, okay, vex might be the word, but what's the meaning here? It's pissed off. Yeah, That's a very important thing. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, that did happen where they they had a more literal translation, a more literal translation that got rid of anything that wasn't heterosexual in favor of it being vaguer. And weird, just so they weren't mistranslating to add in um, sexual tension. Which, th- come on, there is sexual tension there. Yeah. That 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 that's another that thing entirely. <laughs> no, it is. Yeah, I yeah hate when that happens in like translations. It's one thing when it's like 1998. It's another thing when it's 2019. Yeah, and uh, but yeah, I found this this watching of Ryuki. Uh, I think it's, it's someone scrub. They essentially scrubbed both the re-release of sh- of uh, Shootman or something. Or the, it was it was it was um, a, another translation group was doing it. Uh, heat vent, I think, or something like that. And um, that ended up stopping like two or three years ago. So took the episodes up and then scrubbed the rest of the TV Nihon subs and it. It's a pretty good rewatch, so I, I I think it's on like a couple of torrent sites. You can find that torrent bundle. Yeah, I um know that um back in the day people didn't like TVD Han. I think their more recent stuff. I haven't really used it, but is less literal and more like localized and like making sense and like so. There's a lot of modern fan subs that are just like very high quality and fast and lots of work and like it's like always good to say hey. These people did a great job for no money quickly. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and uh, worth noting is like, there's a big fight. We see all five riders, all six riders. Yeah. And um, we see that Kidok is mad and just tries to kill them all. But um, what Asakura does is uses Jun as like a human shield, which makes sense. He's a, a like very beefy boy when he transforms. And then he kills him. Yeah. He kills him. Yep. It's, it's, I remember when I first watched this, I was kind of maybe suspecting Jun would be around for a little while and longer. And then that just took me by surprise how he was just killed that quickly. 
Like, my, my first instinct was like, oh, Asakura is not going to be around forever. Boy, I was wrong. Uh, but I, I, I was very wrong on which two I thought would have stayed in the writer room, which one died in that arc. And um, yeah, no, and that's kind of like the big, big moment. Like, we already had Scissors who died. Suda, I think, was his name. Um, to kind of show that it was kind of more of a whimper to more show this shit's serious, but to actually show a writer kill another writer instead of like, oh, hey, your thing kind of fucked up and you're monstery. Yeah. yeah, it was like kind of watered yeah. down for like, oh, there's stakes you can't die versus like murder. Yeah, murder. Or, and just bringing up and the, like the last shot of the episode of Oja and uh, I want to say it's Venom Snack. Venom Snake? Yeah, Venom Snake, uh, I think. Yeah, Venom Snaker and uh, um, Drag Raider, or Drag... Oh, God. I love that they went with, like, very dramatic names for these. <laughs> uh, but, you know, they're facing off each other, and it kind of shows, like, if Shinji's the very altruistic, like, good boy, then is just the complete opposite void of any sort of empathy character. And honestly, just... Um adds so much to the series like there's like one moment where they try and make him seem like a good character but it's so limited and like small it's almost like oh i guess people do things that aren't always bad or self-serving less like him turning like into like a like good boy you know yeah but yeah um no so that's kind of the eight episodes we think cover the major relationships and like themes and common writer like ryukyu without too much like spoilers or like in-depth stuff and uh yeah it's a great series uh it is one that um is like a little older but um it doesn't it looks fine like the like cg for example because of the way it's like not going for realism it actually looks pretty good still yeah <laughs> and like it's like very bright um just if you like um I'd say this is a show for you if you like things like Gundam almost, where it's just like, it's kind of like near the shonen space, but it's not. But it's like a lot of characters that like have the ability to like enact violence as like a way of discussing their like ideals. That's kind of like what the mm-hmm. show like, like is like very strong in. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, because it's like, this is like my favorite one. I've actually cosplayed like, Three of the writers in this. I only have pictures of one of them. Uh, I've I've cosplayed three of the writers. Uh, I just love the series, and um, I I I would recommend it definitely if you kind of like morality plays. Like again, you mentioned Gundam. Gundam kind of has that, and kind of looking into what makes humans human, because uh, it, it definitely explores those themes. Uh, and um also i the closest writer i think that that is that uh, i think that you might get some enjoyment out of this is gaim again cuz this was uh i think this and kuga were two of Urobuchi's, like big influences on writing uh and uh if you if you like his work you might actually like this series so like um those three series like um kuga um Ryuki and like game like they all have that uh level of um they all feel like they're part of this like whole arc of um 
let's do shows where you meet the character in the first scene and you just know everything about them and the way that like yeah. you meet them and like it's like an homage in like in like game but um in like ryuki it also feels like it's like playing with that too yeah but no um i think um this is a important series for the franchise too because like it's, it's not like writers fought before this but it was usually a misunderstanding and the idea of like a writer war and like prolonged conflict and like actually being against each other was kind of new for the series like Oh, yeah. And it hasn't stopped. Yeah, no, it hasn't. Uh, I, I definitely, like, it, it was kind of a brand new thing to introduce, like, also how many writers this had. Like, it really, uh, before, um, I think, like, Agito was, like, the most writers, like, a common writer show, not include Showa era, has had, which is, like, three? Four? Yeah, three or four. And then you had Ryuki, which had, like, a bunch like there's supposed to be there's supposed to be 13 but some of it has to do with movies and stuff like that so there's 10 i think right there's 10 in the main series proper if I you think, don't yeah. count there's like one character people sometimes call a cover writer sometimes that they don't but there's 10 officially named branded cover writer yeah and uh yeah um this is kind of a weird series it has like um multiple like finales and movies and everything those don't really matter for from like a canon perspective they're interesting to watch but like you don't have to like watch them at the appropriate time like it's not like if you watch it during episode 29 and watch like this movie you'll understand it they keep them pretty separated and like interesting uh yeah it has um the writer time which happened was it like 17 years after the end of the series was the writer time I think something like that. Let me double check. Uh, but yeah, it was basically um, it was kind of like an AU spinoff uh, about, I think, 17 years later. Yeah, 17 years later. Uh, and um, they brought back a ton of characters. It, it, it brought back a lot of the characters. Um, I will say it uh, to watch the main series first because of oh, yeah. what happens because of the swap out that they do, uh, heavy, yeah, I'm not gonna go heavy spoiler, but there is like a swap out of a writer that is important to kind of know the end of the series about, but you really don't need to know the end of the series, so it's it's for the fans. <laughs> it was like a, yeah. a like um web exclusive. Um, it's like returns to six of the characters. Um, one is a swap out, but the rest of the writers do show up. Besides, um. Besides, like Femme, which I guess they're, uh, she's a whole other thing <laughs> as a character. She's 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 a movie exclusive. Yeah, um, and technically the first female cover writer, but let's not get into that. Uh, and I think um, it's a lot of fun. It's also tied in with cover writer Zio, so it's like if you've seen the first like twenty episodes of cover writer Zio and all of cover writer Yuki, and you want to see a weird three episode web series it's great i love it yeah it's it's very good there's actual gay shit in it too yeah um there's real not subtext gay shit and it's great it's great uh it's and the way they not resolve uh the way they um do that arc in the end too is so funny because uh i just it's great it's so worth it 
if you at least have a general idea and like also um in zio the arc for ryuki they have like um this whole thing like with the mirror world that isn't really like um in it's not a part of the writer time or like a spoiler for like for ryuki it's just like a arc for one of the characters to like get their power up but they do actually like have like a mirror world some interesting stuff like that's also worth like looking at too if you like ryuki but uh so yeah what a show there's a lot it informs and a lot that comes after it but in the end it's just a would you say people should start here or is there like a show Um... you say people should start with my this is always a difficult question for me, but I'd say that if you uh any common writer I feel like is a good start minus the anniversary seasons because the anniversary seasons may flavor like looking back um maybe starting something, but ultimately I know it's at least decayed it really kind of you gotta it helps to know the background uh but definitely if you like like a mystery. Uh, kind of soap opera-ish. Uh, you have a thing for weird assholes and a really good guy kind of foiling them and looking into kind of humanity. Ryuki's a good starting point because it, it might not be probably like if you're used to the more flashier stuff later coming in Common Raider, uh, it, it might be a bit of a jarring experience to you because it's it's a lot like early Heisei's not very flashy, but but, but definitely if you kind of love going into uh, morality play and stuff like that, it's definitely a good one to start with. It's like my, my third series, and I mostly got into it because people are like, oh, you liked Guy, watch this one. Yeah, it's um, when we started the show, we are covering Zero One, and my big idea was that I'd have a list of what I thought were the best episodes to get into each of the Heisai series, and then just roll like a D20 and go through them. Yeah. That didn't work out. Uh, turns out you need to kind of have the right time and the right people for that. Uh, but I really think there's a ton of great um, these episodes. Uh, these eight, like I think, like there's some like they're out of order, but they're not too confusing. Um, it's a good show to start. Um, as always, I'd say like sometimes like it might be something last year. Like I think like a lot of people have success with like double or O's or game just because they're like. Uh, very like entertaining in like a direct way versus like this show kind of has like a bit of that like that soap opera feel that might like turn people off but yeah it's a great place to start still um and to that um what i actually want to say is uh you in your own show you look at a lot of different series in power yes and um what is your show doing right now and um what people listen to um, well, about the time of this recording, um, our show kind of more or less does a analysis of the characters and story of each of the, uh, Power Rangers seasons, starting with the first one, and, uh, we have done, gone off with doing other Tokusatsu series, we just recently finished up doing a, uh, Master Writer review, uh, for Saban's Master Writer, and we're about to start uh looking into Lightspeed Rescue. Ooh, Lightspeed's a good one. And with Rain Yeah. And um and that is with Rangers Blame. Um you can <laughs> you can kind of find us on any most podcast media. Um a lot of people listen to us on like Spotify and Podbay, if I can remember my analytics correctly. But you can just 
find us really anywhere and check us out mainly on our Twitter feed uh, at Rangersplain or uh, rangersplain.wordpress.com. Um, I will edit this part out, but I forgot fast beforehand. Um, were you interested in uh, perhaps doing something with Comrade or like Dragon Knight in like the next couple of weeks? Uh, yes, actually, especially since I never watched it. Really, <laughs> it just looks so good. It it looks perfect. It looks great. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Um. I will plug that then, and I'll try to figure out what some good episodes there. Maybe less than eight, since we don't know it as well. But um, <clears throat> and yeah, um, so towards that as well. Um, so in a couple of weeks, we will have an episode. Um, where you come back to look at Comrade Dragon Knight, and um, I remember in like two thousand nine, two thousand eight, being so excited as a Comrade fan, like, oh, there's like this cool anniversary series. Oh. Like there's a show being localized, it's actually called Comet Rider. Um, it's an interesting localization that we're both not as familiar with as we are with like mainline Comet Rider or like Ryuki. But um, it's also not available. But the main, the star of the show posted on his Twitter a like torrent link. So hey, <laughs> you know yeah, you it's pretty much uh, it, it's lost media, uh, and the best chance you have is to pirate it right now. Yeah, um, and it's interesting. I think it is a a conversation you need to have in reference to Power Rangers, in reference to Kamen Rider Ryuki. It's a very weird one, but I hope um there there's gonna be a lot to get from it. I think, but um, ultimately, um, we also have um coming up for Kamen Rider with me. Uh, next week we are actually starting a whole new venture, and we have finished going bi-weekly as it aired through Kamen Rider Zero One, and it, it was a great ride. But starting next week, we are starting with Kamen Rider Saber, episodes one and two, and starting that new year. And uh, we'll still like have the off weeks with um, different things, but we are following Saber. We're very worried. <laughs> we didn't like, we did not like the promo stuff for it, and we're kind of worried we won't love the show. But still, we're very excited to start that up. And yeah. um, And uh, You've already said where to find you, so I will plug myself then. And that is, uh, you could find uh, me on twitter.com at James Forge, the podcast at Common Ride With Me, Common Ride With Me dot com, and you can send an email to podcast at Common Ride With Me dot com. Now, um, one thing that we always do to end the episode is uh, take what we've watched as kind of like a uh, watch Common Rider and like Jaywalk, or watch Common Rider and like take your vitamins, like either like something informed by what we've watched um either like a like do or don't so what do you think we've learned from today jay i think one of the things we learned is um i'm very bad at this <laughs> I, I i think one of the definite things we learned is that um that chinji's an adorable adorable stupid idiot and i love him okay so uh watch common rider ryuki and love your adorable stupid idiot yeah, because it's 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 pretty much it's either him or assholes, and I, I love the assholes there too. So. Um, watch watch Kamen Rider Ryuki and love adorable stupid idiots and assholes alike. <laughs> <laughs>